a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, welcome. Uh, we are here with Nelly Rickenbach here in Basel in Switzerland. My name is Rudi Janssen from the Event Design Collective. Um, Nelly, we are in the midst of the newly opened, could I say that? Or I, I don't know how to say Fair. it. The Novartis experience. I'm having the Novartis experience. Tell us about where we are. <laughs> well, it was uh, 3rd of October, so 10 days in to actually us opening the campus to the public. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember we had a session a couple of weeks back with uh, uh, the Basel Tourism Basel Convention Bureau, very much here on the campus with the partners of uh, the Basel destination. Um, and um, before, Novartis was known as a different kind of environment that wasn't directly accessible. Um, which begs the question, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Never. Hey, Brood, <laughs> I'm, I'm a communicator. I wouldn't leave any conversation to chance. And so, um, from your... Um, session that I remember, the keynote that you did for Basel Tourism, you also said that at the beginning uh, of your session, you said, I've just changed my title on my LinkedIn profile. Explain that to us. Oh, poor, poor Laetitia, the wonderful CEO of Basel Tourism, she stood there and she had to um, announce me with my corporate long title. And I realized literally just 10 minutes before going there, I read the invitation again and I read it says, Director Associate Engagement and Lead Site Communications Practice. So nine words to describe what I'm doing. What I'm doing actually is Novartis experience. I make sure that both associates and visitors have a great experience of the company mm -hmm. Novartis, right? So I was sitting there mentally preparing for my speech, which again was a funny story because I was asked to talk about something else than what I actually talked about. We can maybe go into this later. Mm -hmm. But I realized I was like, oh, this poor audience and the poor person that has to announce me. And then I came down and literally what happened is Letizia stood there and she started reading and I stopped her and I said, no, 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 no. I just changed my title <coughs> on LinkedIn. You can say it's Nelly. She's doing the Novartis experience. Um, we first met when uh, the Novartis Pavilion opened at Basel Museum Night. And I remember visiting with my son the Basel Pavilion qu quite late in the evening. Um, because at museum night, all these different spaces open up to the general public uh, to go and visit. And there was a long queue outside of the Novartis Pavilion because there was a new addition to the campus here in Novartis. Um, it was also the first time the building was kind of road tested for a large group of people, yeah. if, 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 if yeah. I'm not mistaken. What was the date of museum night? It was Oh, that in must May. have been, I think it was yeah. end of May. I think we were three weeks into opening the pavillon. Yeah. And tell us about the pavillon. What is the pavillon and what is the function of it? 
The Pavillon is beautiful. The Pavillon is, as you say, the latest edition. So for people not familiar with Novartis, we have a campus here in Basel, mm -hmm. which is 30 soccer fields large, mm -hmm. which has many, many Pritzker Prize winning architects who created a space for absolute uh, the, the best scenario for learning. We very much believe in the behavioral change by beauty and by um, environment. Um, so literally just outside the Novartis campus, city facing is now a novel building. It's a pavillon, it's not a building, it is a pavillon. It's a wood construction and it's a space for learning and encounter. And I, it all looks very recent, but the idea to create a place where you can learn what we do and why it matters as an industry is pretty much very much beyond what Novartis is doing, but literally what the life sciences sector is doing. Mm -hmm. But the idea is, is roughly seven years, dates seven years back. Now, seven years ago, the Novartis campus was not open yet to the general public. Was it almost like an extension outside of the uh, space to kind of make that more accessible or have these things kind of lined up side by side? They now beautifully coincide. And it's a beautiful narrative to say, if you put it, the ducks in the row, right? Mm -hmm. So the pavillon opened in May and the campus opened in October. So if you wish, the pavillon almost was a petri dish for our campus opening, mm -hmm. but that coincidentally happened. Yeah. So the idea in, in sort of, the idea to open campus surfaced yeah. in, in sort of, it, it both is a cultural consequence, if you wish, right? Yeah. Now, these are large and long change cycles, right? Mm -hmm. Seven years is something mm -hmm. that, for people that might mm -hmm. be listening to this podcast, you know, they cannot even look seven <laughs> months forward. Not in our industry. <laughs> exactly. It on average takes 12 years to develop a drug. Mm -hmm. So in our uh, space, that is not a long time. Mm -hmm. But then also, I mean, this, this is this is my personal story, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people think that big corporates are boring and slow moving and whatnot. I started my career at Novartis five years ago when Novartis in Switzerland didn't have any social media accounts. Mm -hmm. So I was tasked with the beautiful mission to start from follower one, right? Okay, yeah. So I started Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of this, the full suite of channels. Now, if you think about it, five years back, we didn't have bi-directional communication channels mm -hmm. five years into the history. So today we open up the campus and we have a place where you can meet us, where you can have dialogue where we host events yeah. where we talk about the science yeah so how do you look at the horizon of change and the function of events in that process i think we have to be extremely humble we have to be at utmost care we're not a love brand by per se like mm -hmm. as big pharma yeah. and i realize if you look at it as a venn diagram just because something is true it is not yet credible. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting sweet spot for change where mm -hmm. we step by step invest in making credible what we know is true. Yeah. So we can't go out there and, 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 and do a lot of big marketing to say like, come and visit us and, and whatnot. It's not credible, but we can humbly say like, as of now, the campus is open, come and use this beautiful space 
come and meet us sort of we can you know we want ultimately we want to bring industry and society closer together that's like the big mission right yeah. how do we get there mm-hmm. i think we get there step by step mm-hmm. by adding proof point after proof point mm-hmm. and bringing people um along so no small task in five years to go from mm-hmm. n- you know go from zero to 100 in terms of bi-directional communication mm-hmm. as a brand that represents how many people work for Novartis? 100,000. 100,000 people, mm-hmm. right, across the planet. 8,000 here on the soil in Basel. Yeah. So this is a large operation and also quite a responsibility to then, let's say, create this infrastructure to talk back and forth with the different stakeholders. Um, events do that in a live format or even in an online format. It could be in the same place at the same time or in a different place at the same time or a different time in the same place or at a different time in a different place that's what social media does it's asynchronous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but at the same time mm-hmm. um, events have become mm-hmm. sometimes even asynchronous with what's happened in the planet during the COVID period mm-hmm. um, now you were just mentioning you know this event that we did with Basel tourism where mm-hmm. you invited all of the partners from Basel to come to the campus uh, to experience the Novartis campus, and this was before the opening on mm-hmm. the 3rd of October. Um, how was that experience for you, having a keynote in front of your own peers from the city to speak about uh, the role of this change at Novartis? I loved every bit of it because I think, I'm not sure if Basel has yet understood that we're becoming sort of a... a almost a product in the in a tourist suite right yes. by opening yeah. up by yeah. um also with the 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 pavilion i mean if you think about it there are 700 companies in and around basel that work in the space of life sciences mm-hmm. yet there wasn't a place to go and learn what we do and mm-hmm. it's so freaking abstract right <laughs> we're talking about things that were science fiction a couple of years back only gene yeah. editing mRNA, we saw it in the COVID period. Yeah. It's like, it was so needed to have this place for learning mm-hmm. uh, a, a, around that topic. And I have wonderful conversations with Basel Tourism, but other people in Basel to say like, how can we, how can Avatis help make sure that Basel is also known as a city for science? Yeah. We've done an amazing job being known as the city for art, for mm-hmm. architecture. I do think in in Europe, if I'm not mistaken, we have the highest density of museums, right? Yes. It's a wonderful thing. Couldn't we add the city of science into that mix? Yeah. I mean, so many, so many beautiful things have happened in Basel around science. It's yeah. it's unique. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Basel is also a very humble city. Oh uh, yes. I've lived here for a little <laughs> over a decade and. Uh, as they say in Switzerland, Basel ticked anders, right? Mm-hmm. It, it ticks slightly differently. Mehetz, aber mit Zeit is like you have it, but you don't show it. Even if you yeah. travel one hour by train, you're in Zurich. Yes. You see different cars, you see different dresses, people act differently. Yeah. In Basel, if if you have it, you don't show it. It's it's just by yeah. by culture. Yeah. Now that culture over time changes, but mm-hmm. at the same time, some changes are very slow. You know, one of the very traditional Basler things are things like the Fasnacht that mm-hmm. happens as an event in the city over multiple uh, centuries where traditions are deeply kept but also sometimes disrupted by things like COVID and it does something to the culture in the org- you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in the city itself. Um, 
Let's focus back on you as a person, uh, if you may, because you are a change maker. Uh, within five years, you've kind of used this uh, powerful double-edged sword of social media um, on behalf of a brand like Novartis on a large scale. Um, Novartis does events by default, right? You are a publicly traded company. Um, but now let's focus back maybe on yourself as a change maker in this organization. The first time I met you was during this uh, museum night in the pavilion. The pavilion is brand new. There's mm -hmm. 1,300 people mm -hmm. coming into the space. Um, you were super excited to show all of the things that we were excited to see. Um, and if you haven't been to the Novartis Pavilion, mm -hmm. the experience is nothing like I've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very personalized, kind of very interactive, highly digitized, but also very personable experience where the environment morphs to the questions you might have. You can also time travel on a wall where you can see the city mm -hmm. of Basel morphing over time, right, by moving a wall around and mm -hmm. seeing it in different eras. and. To me, it was mind-blowing to see how you've combined the live setting, even in these little circular settings with a projection screen and screens representing people in the circle where people also mm -hmm. sit on the little benches. To me, it was probably like the most thought-through hybrid experience I've ever had. And sometimes maybe museums, or I don't know if it's a museum, it's more like a, you know, it is a pavilion, no, almost it like... It is not a museum. No, it's, yeah. it is a good point. We, we really <laughs> fight for the fact that we're not a museum. A, yeah. I mean, the, the quality of museums in Basel is unparalleled, right? Yeah. That, that That's a league of its own. Mm -hmm. We really focus on the experience. We focus on learning for a, a layman audience, always with the audience in, in mind. Yeah. And we thought that the fact... The complexity of topic is so big mm -hmm. that we want to make it almost easy for people to learn. Yeah. But a museum has, has a very different mission, right? We're an industry exhibition, that's what we are. But going back, I mean, when you say let's focus on you as a person, as a change maker, mm -hmm. maybe that's maybe now you're <laughs> addressing the Basler in me, but I feel super uncomfortable because all of this is team effort. Of course. And I only jumped into this project of the Pavillon yeah. last May. Yeah. So at best I'm a midwife, right? I was yeah. I was there. <laughs> I was helping it, but I'm not the mother. You were birthing and the project. I, and then <laughs> the midwife helping I, I love I love change. Yeah. I always seeked for change like you have this bell curve of where people are when it comes to change and yeah. how comfortable they feel mm -hmm. in change and i'm getting i get very very nervous if things are repetitive yeah we talked about it yes. in, in the chit chat before <laughs> yes. i said the reason why i love podcast or why it's my absolute favorite way of consuming media is mm -hmm. because it, it kills the boredom of mundane tasks such as applying makeup or uh, you know folding socks yeah. podcast is the best single best <laughs> use when you're folding socks because it's so boring yeah. so i i think i'm i'm a i'm almost a a change hunter more than a change maker i'm looking for the the new like this this little animal in ice age yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i heard a term last week at at a trade show in las vegas for our industry called imax america in which we recorded the previous uh, uh, 14 episodes of this podcast on site. And there was somebody there that called themselves a goosebump chaser. Um, goosebump chaser. Oh, a goosebump chaser. I like that. <laughs> I like that. How can you create moments of wow? Yeah. 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 But yeah. also that, uh, that tingling feeling when you experience something that when others are experiencing at the same time, 
creates a an unwritten bond between people. I think this is one of the things in behavior change or in curiosity, like you said, when as we walked into the campus, um, you said, I'm a very curious person, and curiosity is the thing, is the rocket fuel for the ambiguity that fuels design, right? Um, I know a lot of our listeners are curious people. Uh, of if course they, don't, they are. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> because change makers, change makers need to be curious. Now, on a personal level, I'd like to ask you, what is currently on your horizon of change for the next uh, year? In all aspects. Well, I, I, I really think we've laid a foundation and we now have to humbly get it right. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the exhibition. The exhibition is six hours of content mm -hmm. that with utmost care designed a way of learning how, how sort of what's behind medicine. You travel through the history, you, you tap into the future and you learn about a lot of things. Um, I think the exhibition works really well. Mm -hmm. We have first uh, data readouts and we know the people. It's it's an audio exhibition, as you mentioned, yeah. and people spend 90 minutes go on average. Um, there we, we, we see people spending four hours. What we have to do better and where we have to change is we have to help teachers mm -hmm. understand what we offer and how they can make use for it. So we can't expect for teachers to prepare we have to create materials that they can download to have different um, lec lectures there. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing, sort of the, a very concrete thing that we have in mind. Yeah. And then the Bavillon is divided in two floors. In the upper floor, we have the exhibition, so that's the learning space. And mm -hmm. then in the ground floor, we have the encounter space. And we want to do many, many more events. We want to really open up for um, transparent dialogue. We mm -hmm. want to address challenging topics that we have as, as, as an industry. Yeah. We want to talk about pricing, we want to talk about the needs for animal testing, all of that we want to open up there. Mm -hmm. We want to really create a series um, that's called behind, oh, that's, a, that's a, a spoiler alert now, but behind the signs. Okay. Those who get it, it's instead of behind the scenes, behind the signs mm -hmm. really take people to have a look under the hood and learn what's behind it. Um, if we have one thing it's Nova at Novartis, it's an incredible human library. Mm -hmm. We have people here from various disciplines that are absolute great minds, and mm -hmm. we want to give them also exposures, have them share their knowledge and, and um, their careers and share what they work on. So, I, right, so it is maybe, um, put it differently. I was at my mother's birthday, she turned 80. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, a gentleman from her, um, uh, what do you call it, an Evandergruppe. She does hiking, yeah. hiking group, hiking it's a very group. Swiss yeah. thing. Yeah. So she does hiking and there mm -hmm. was this American gentleman and in the kitchen of my mother's, he asked me, so, you know, I used to work at Novartis. You, you also work at Novartis. Are you a scientist? Mm -hmm. And then I very spontaneously said like, no, sir, I'm not a scientist. I take pride in giving science a voice. Wow, and that came like really spin. I'm a. Com I didn't say I'm a communicator. I give science a voice. So that's what we want to do with the pavilion, and that's what I want to do, much much more of. I feel we now have the container mm -hmm. 
for it, but yeah. we need to even further bring it uh, alive with bringing the relevant people together. Yeah. So giving science a voice is a very powerful thing to do. Um, as you said, this spontaneously came to you at your mom's birthday party where somebody prompted you and maybe that was left to chance somehow or it was maybe fermenting in your brain and all of a sudden it came out in a certain way. Uh, I think those kind of, let's say, nuggets of articulation of things that people do, um, what they care about, because I, I can tell by the way you speak about this, you deeply care about what you do. Um, I'm very impressed by it, the, the longevity cycle of the change that you're describing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, where, you know, if something is true and whether it's truthful yeah. to somebody, yeah. it could be two completely different things, the Venn diagram intersecting at that middle part. Um, um, I also like how <clears throat> you were able to describe, let's say, this, this pavilion, and I've experienced it now four times. First with my son at Basel mm -hmm. Museum Night, Uh, second time was with uh, with a dear friend here in Basel. So you're who, a regular. I'm impressed. I didn't know well, that. <laughs> and I and I still feel like I've only scratched yeah. the surface. Yeah, yeah. I, I I want to experience all the different stakeholder kind of journeys that you've yeah. designed for. Um, and there's so much to see that it's that it's almost like um, it's overwhelming in a good way that I want to keep coming back to experience the nice. other stories. I think it also should be consumed maybe with gaps in between so that you can process the learning, defragment your hard disk of what you experienced, and then kind of be ready for the next kind of journey through that. And you described that the ground floor is the encounter space, mm -hmm. which is almost like the experience journey of first having the touch points. And then you go to the first floor, and that's where the learning space is happening. Now, in our methodology, um, we have a very similar, but it is formed as a hourglass shape which is kind of the time you go through an event and what you learn as a result of it. And the top part of the hourglass represents the experience journey of the touch points that you have across the mm -hmm. conversations, the, the check-in, the, mm -hmm. the first piece of information you get about it, and the mm -hmm. order and sequence in which you consume mm -hmm. the experiences. And then every experience flips to the bottom part of the hourglass, and in the bottom part is what we call the instructional design. And in the instructional design, you actually have the four types of learning, which is skills, knowledge, attitude learning, and people learning. And for people learning, we always struggle to find the right words, what that really means. Uh, German language has a much better way of expressing that. It's kennenlernen. Kennenlernen. I could never figure out what the English translation of that is, because there is no idiom in English that really symbolizes the exact uh, meaning of kennenlernen. But it's, you know, how you talk and meet other people. And I've experienced it with my son, with a very dear friend here in Basel, but also with the partners from mm -hmm. Basel uh, mm -hmm. Tourism, Basel Convention Bureau, mm -hmm. from Hotel Riesvies, who, who were there together. Um, by being in the space, <coughs> the experience journey allows you to, uh, allows you to kennenlernen, allows you to get to know other people in a different context. And the context helps you get to know mm -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm or your attitude mm -hmm. towards the people mm -hmm. and the attitude of the people towards mm -hmm. you. But it's almost like vectorized through the information you get as a result of being in the space and learning about what Novartis does and how it does that. So not only do you give a voice to evidence-based science, but you also allow a conversation because you vectorize uh, the mm -hmm. conversation with, some, with an outside agent, right? If, if I go to your space. 
And let's stay with the space, because there is a lot to tell about the space Mm -hmm. um, that makes this kennenlernen and this getting to know an easy experience. Mm -hmm. It's round-shaped, the pavillon, right? It's almost like a donut, right? Don't call it a donut. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't Shame ever call it a donut. Shame on me. It's, not a <laughs> it's a beautiful piece of architecture it is. by none other than uh, absolutely. I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm starstruck whenever I see him. Michele De Lucchi is mm-hmm. the designer and architect, yes. and I deliberately say designer and architect because it's it's really sort of it, it's beautiful how every lamp, every chair, every table, everything in the pavilion is by him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he cares so much about this being a round space. He, he, by the way, calls it an earth station. Yeah. You might, would not expect it, but sustainability was front and center for this project. It's yeah. a wood construction. It doesn't look like a wood construction. But mm. let's talk about the circularity. Mm. So he says that the philosophers, they learned by turning circles, reciting and turning oh. in circles. That's one element. The other is, if you think about it, um, it's not called search. It's called research. So mm-hmm. the circularity in learning and how we fail forward in yeah. research is is important. But then also a circular shape doesn't know hierarchy. Mm-hmm. The circular table was in, invented, if you wish. So nobody is bossing a table. So everybody has the same voice. Yeah. But also in a circular shape, you can't get lost and you can't hide. Okay. So I find it a very, very intuitive building. Yeah. And it wasn't until last week when one of Basel's most respected uh, museum directors mm-hmm. came to visit the Pavio and I was privileged to give him a tour. Mm-hmm. He then said, you did something clever. Maybe you did it intuitively, but it's very clever that you start with the known and take people to the unknown. And this is <laughs> like a super recipe for change, right? Yeah. So we start with what looks like your average museum bookshop. Mm-hmm. You start with books, with something people really know. You yeah. actually invite into a high-tech exhibition, but you start with a book, with something mm-hmm. very school known. Book. It's yeah. very old very school. Tactile. So you have a bookshop. Then the next thing is what you absolutely love, is your super cafe, mm-hmm. where we share, you know, we sell baked goods from the neighborhood. So again, yeah. there is this bringing society and industry closer together mm-hmm. in small symbols as well. Mm-hmm. So you get your croissant, you get your perfect cappuccino, and eventually you walk up, you you mount your headsets, and then you're immersed in this tech world that works literally. I'm, I'm impressed, but it works for all ages. And actually, be, before you go up, I remember getting an iPad and being able with augmented reality to look at fixed structures and yeah. to see the story above the structure yeah that's uh, that's uh, that's our school hub that's mm-hmm. part of the school lab mm-hmm. so we extracted every um uh, element of a program that's i think we have 30 years of uh, school lab experience next year so kids mm-hmm. between 12 and 16 are invited by Novartis mm-hmm. to learn about the the science and to fall in love with the professions that are behind the science mm-hmm. And everything in the program that doesn't need to happen in the lab, mm-hmm. we, we brought to the pavillon. So they start their program there. So every single morning at 9 a.m., we have a school class and we give them iPads because that's how they want to learn today. Yeah. Yeah. It's adhering to, you know, state-of-the-art learning yeah. preferences. Yeah. They scan the objects and they see an eye and then can they can unfold the eye different organs. Yeah. But what's beautiful is, again, it's, it's a comms job, but we take them from where they are to where 
where we are, yeah. which is uh, disease, disease awareness, right? Yeah. So eventually you see how someone would see that has eye impairment or you have to um, simulate breathing like someone who has asthma. So mm -hmm. you're basically confronted with disease yeah. awareness yeah. at a very sort of low threshold. Yeah. And you almost turn like a very known to a very unknown mm -hmm. situation into a journey with of self-discovery, right? Because you are in charge of selecting which object you want to actually learn more about. It's also your choice whether you scan and spend mm -hmm. the amount of time mm -hmm. to go through that cycle. Um, then you go upstairs, and one of the first things that I remember seeing and uh, spending quite a bit of time on is um, a projection with a very minimalistic kind of seating arrangement mm -hmm. that allows you to take in, first almost like in a linear format, in a movie format, mm -hmm. kind of a historic context. Yes, it's it's historic, and it's it's then it's basically um, the synopsis of the exhibition. It's mm -hmm. uh, setting the scene, so you're sitting there, and again you were there with your son. So so that's the only experience that you have with the people that you enter the exhibition with. And mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing socially that you start something together, but then everybody is spreading out and exploring whatever they find interesting in their own journeys. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that it, commonality of that experience, that first bit of the experience, yeah. creates a bond between those that then enter a space quite individually, almost, right? Exactly. Exactly. Once you put so on you're, the headset, exactly. You're sitting there and you're part of a group, and every 10 minutes the movie will start again. And mm -hmm. that's very classical. That's, mm -hmm. that's There is no surprise there. The right? expected, almost. It's the expected. You learn, you have a good audio quality, and you learn. And already there, there's so little knowledge about our industry. And mm -hmm. sometimes as a communicator, that's frustrating, mm -hmm. right? People so talk about cover. why drugs are expensive, but they don't know that it takes 12 years to develop yeah. a compound. They don't know that out of 10,000 compounds, only one makes it across the finish line so already let's say people will come and just watch that movie mm -hmm. they would know so much yeah. more than they did before yeah. but that's an introduction and by the way a really important a thing that's super close to my heart mm -hmm. maybe for for listeners mm -hmm. it took some guts to say to go a little bit off brand or brand reduced mm -hmm at no place, and you can go and search it, if you find the Novartis logo, you tell me, at no place in the exhibition nor in the building do you see the Novartis logo. Wow. Two weeks ago, we had a networking event with people from Roche, 80 people from Roche coming in there. Mm -hmm. So we created a space that we call a living room for science mm -hmm. that is agnostic of Novartis. And I think that's, again, back to the Venn diagram. People don't expect this and they don't know it yet. So yeah. when they read something about, oh, there's this pavilion that opened, they'll come there and they'll expect Navartis all over. And that's a feedback that we regularly hear to say like, I'm actually, I think it's refreshing how you, how you tackled it and how subtle you, you present this. That's amazing. It's almost the art of leaving away to the most extreme degree, right? When people think about branding and events and um, connecting emotions to a specific brand. You said, you know, we will never be a love yeah. brand, but maybe I now love the Novartis more for daring to do that. Exactly. Um, and there will be voices to say, like, it's a missed opportunity mm -hmm. not to have the Novartis sure logo everywhere because, you know, some view branding not as an experience. For yeah. me, everything is branding. Yeah. Sound quality is branding. The right music is branding. Yeah. The experience in a room, even the smell, every 
every experience is yeah. branding. Yeah. Well, I think, um, and what people don't know is we're sitting on the Novartis campus right now in a very soundproofed room. You mm -hmm. might hear the difference between our previous episodes, 15 episodes, which were re recorded on site at IMAX live at an event with a lot of hustle and bustle around the outside. And here a very focused conversation uh, just uh, between you know Nelly and myself where um, although we have met in different contexts we've never had a face-to-face -face conversation where we're looking into the whites of the eyes and talking very specifically in a very focused way about a specific subject I love your uh, approach to decoding the design of um, of the pavilion itself um, Take us a little bit further into what, so, so you've had this mm -hmm. joint experience with this movie clip. Now you're going into an individual journey mm -hmm. wearing your headset, which I noticed as soon as you put on a headset, even at a trade show, people stop talking to you uh, because they know you're kind of probably in some yep. radio episode or you're, you're listening to something or it's a very clear sign for people that you are now on your own, in your own journey, experience mm -hmm. something. You can't see the facial expressions of people. Um, what is what is that next storyline, or how many storylines are there from there that you could discover? Because you say there's six hours of content, which yes. is significant. <laughs> yes, we we chopped it up didactically into um, four chapters. First of all, age twelve onwards is mm -hmm. sort of our audience, mm -hmm. and then I think learning learning is a very intimate, personal endeavor. Mm -hmm. And science shows that learning through audio is sort of is, is, is the most accessible way. And if you think, I, I thought a lot about audio. I love audio. Mm -hmm. um, but you can close your eyes at mm -hmm. your own will in any time. You yeah. can't do that with the ear. It's the only omnipresent oh. channel that we have, right? The organ. So, so it's always on. The sense is always on, right? So it's a very intimate experience. Mm -hmm. And again, this... Um, this um, museum director, he said something interesting. He said he didn't expect by Big Pharma to be left alone in the choice of learning. He thinks that in itself is trust building. Wow. And I love, I love that because it's true. It's like after you've experienced this, this choice or this short introduction movie, it's like mm -hmm. a TED talk on the industry, mm -hmm. then you're, you're basically guided through four chapters. But mm -hmm. you can, you can, change the order you yeah. can skip stuff you can just you're at your own the first um chapter and it it couldn't have started anywhere any different like we start we put ourselves in the shoes of patients mm -hmm. and very importantly their caregivers because yeah. sometimes a disease is more burdensome for the person next to the patient if you're yeah. a patient you're in control you have you have programs you have to go there you have to go to the doctor but what about the kids what about the spouse what mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. parents right yeah, yeah. so we have um two levels in the first chapter that we call um uh the the, the patient stories the fragility of life mm -hmm. so you can either go back to your biology class and you mm -hmm. have a body wall and you can see how the body functions and what happens when things go rampant when the body doesn't do what you expect them to do mm -hmm. so you have different um, installations there mm -hmm. or you can go the emotional route and mm -hmm. listen to three patient stories mm -hmm. or do the sequence of the both but it's a very emotional and a very didactical line yeah. that you start with and the patient booth we call them here we have three disease areas we um, shed a light on heart failure 
on malaria and uh, on breast cancer. Mm -hmm. All three patient stories, they're true patients. And there, I think it's, we really wanted to respect those people and, and stories. And despite everything being super high tech, this is the lowest tech experience. Mm -hmm. It's literally a podcast. Yeah. So you go into a patient booth, the light slightly changes, yeah. and in your ear, you hear a patient talking to you. Yeah. It's very, very emotional. I mean, I'm having goosebumps, especially yeah. when you listen to the cancer patient. She is outtreated. There is no hope. Mm -hmm. She talks about the importance of research. It, it's really, it, it's touching. It's touching. Yeah. Yeah. Then the next chapter, chapter two out of four, is from lab to patients. And this is really our business. Mm -hmm. This is also our associates. They love to do their onboarding there mm -hmm. and to look at as you, as we mentioned, we have 100,000 um, associates. It's very difficult to understand the different pass-offs. So what's happening when in the chain mm -hmm, of from, mm -hmm. from basically finding a compound to launching a drug with patients. So we chopped it up in eight relevant steps. Mm -hmm. And you can either listen to different individuals at the company. You, you can listen to experts um, or you can gamify yourself like through the eight steps. You can yeah. do little um, games. Again, we take people from the known to the unknown. So it's games that you would know, but they come in a surprising context. Or you listen to the perspective of one drug, like one you follow one story. Is it also Am I too detailed? I'm no, no, literally I, taking I'm, you on a on I'm, a virtual tour. <laughs> I'm really like sucking this up. And I'm sure our auditors are also like the decoding of that experience um, in the pavilion and how it's carefully designed because it's it's not a it's not an experience that's created for an event for one off and then it's dissipated no 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 it's there yeah, for it's there a longer for period of yeah, time it's there for good and it has a certain shelf life yep. that i'm sure you've been thinking about yep. and 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 the technology is yeah the most modern you can find today but uh, we also know that if this a decade from today you experience this or two decades from today uh, it will also date itself like any type of museum or any type of, of exhibition of or any type of trade show or temporary installation. Um, I was just wondering, as you're saying that, is it is it is the pavilion also like a very useful place to onboard new staff or existing yeah. staff to understand, oh, I, I work in, you know, phase yeah. two of the eight steps or he, now I understand the bigger structure as you're coming into this, you know, 100,000 person corporate yep. environments yep. Um, seeing your sense of purpose and your role in the bigger picture is critical for your sense of belonging I suppose 100% and if you would compare Novartis to an airline our scientists are the pilots right but everyone else gets the pilots off the ground yes so I think it's very <laughs> purposeful especially for people not working in the lab themselves yeah. to understand, hang on, if I'm the one writing the, the paper that's next to the medication, I actually have an inc incredible purposeful role. Yeah. So, so but to just fi finish the journey, then mm -hmm. after you've seen, sort of really looked into the lab, then you have the history part. You mentioned the wall. Mm -hmm. I love that wall because it shows you that we shouldn't take things for granted. You see how the industry and the wealth in Basel and sort of the infrastructure of the city has grown in parallel. Sort of you, yeah. you see the, the interdependence of yeah. city and industry. Yeah. 
but then also and this is the only place where we tap into the company into the company's history like Novartis exists for 25 years but we have a 250 year history on the very soil here in St. Johann in Basel and on the other um, Rhine side Uh, and and I I think it's fascinating because Novartis started um, off with being in the business of dye stuff so Mm -hmm. it was color Mm-hmm. chemical colors right yeah. and then eventually going into the pharmaceutical chemistry so if we now think we're in times of change it's like hang on it's very soothing to go into the exhibition to look at ferrari red because yeah. that was developed by a former company siba mm-hmm. and it's like hang on at one point in time we went from doing colors to doing medicine that must have been a uh, humongous that that's true transformation yeah but then you can also, on vertical screens, look at 70 uh, milestones in the development of medicine. So you go 3,000 years back. You start in Egypt, and you can really learn about the advancements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end in the last chapter is then the future. We call it a future space, but it's more a, a present with a future outlook. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think that's more precise because mm-hmm. there we talk about the ethical uh, topics, topics that we have to solve as a society, yeah. thinking about gene editing, should we do what we can do just because we can, who is owning data, what about access to medicine, all these big topics. Yeah. And to your earlier question on onboarding, yes, but not only for associates of Novartis, but for associates in the industry. And we've also seen and loved startups coming mm-hmm. up there with potential clients to say like or investors to say like here in this screen you see process number four out of eight steps and this is where our app is going to help advance things so it, it's cover really gap. we yeah. cover oh, yeah. a gap here <clears throat> yeah, yeah. so i think it's uh, I, ho- I hope we will see more of that use well, i'm i'm fascinated because actually let's say the pavilion is like a decoding space of the whole process of the value creation mm-hmm. that you do as a company, uh, but also your role in society, right? It, it, it goes way further. I also didn't know I saw Ovomaltine in one mm-hmm. of the uh, screens. Can you share that story for people that might have come across that and how it fits into the equation? Well, it no longer does. It no longer does. <laughs> we have never been leaner, but the portfolio did look different. We also had uh, animal uh, medications, etc. And wonder there was there once was this story with Ovomaltine. Yes, that yeah. was part of the portfolio. Yeah. So it's interesting how also like um, the complexity gets reduced to the focus, right? So uh, mm-hmm. let's say the the art of leaving things away to focus on the thing that's most important, even at the scale and scope at which you run uh, the organization um, is is fascinating because I think this is typically in a very complex world I think it's very important to be able to not be complicit to making things more complicated but to be driven to make things more simple and sometimes to make things simple you have to go through the complexity first to then simplify it and know what you can how you can prune the tree from uh, to actually you know bear the fruits that come out the other end um, if you're looking, let's 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 go to the very simple world of events for a moment, right? Uh, because events are not planned over centuries or decades, mm-hmm. although sometimes they mm-hmm. are. Um, but let's imagine the situation um, that many of our event designers and event owners might be in that are listening to this podcast. Um, what is currently the role of events in Novartis, for instance? What kind of events do you host? Because you have event spaces, you have 
uh, investors, you have staff, you have all sorts of stakeholder groups mm -hmm. that are related to the brand. What do you see in that landscape um, happening today? So I think first of all, the existence of events was the, if I, if I get the story right, that was the reason why the pavilion is its own building. Okay. Because the idea to create this exhibition is seven years old. Mm -hmm. But as many good ideas, they grow in shape and size, and one realized um, that it's not good enough as a big corporate to have an exhibition space where you can go and learn. It's like, mm -hmm. what about the dialogue? What about interaction? What, what if I have questions about what I just learned, right? So the idea came about to say, like, it's not good enough to have a space for learning. We need a space for encounter and events. That, that's where we have events in this, um, in this downstairs um, space. So the role of events, I mean, like everybody else, there wasn't a lot of events happening in the past two years. Mm -hmm. I personally see it as a blessing mm -hmm. because um, it helps us rethink how we want to do events. Mm -hmm. The Bavio is a beautiful petri dish for social experiments and for events. Mm -hmm. I think we, since opening in May, we easily had more than 40 different um, types of events, internal facing, external facing, and we're literally learning as we go. It's almost a magnet where people gravitate towards that space to have events. It's a beautiful location. It mm -hmm. has an interesting size. We can f we can transform it into an auditorium for 100 people. Mm -hmm. So meaning it also works for 30, 40 people. Mm -hmm. um, and but by the way it's it's designed, I think it's it's more than the circle not knowing hierarchy, almost the the design doesn't know hierarchy. And here I'm really impressed with the architect's work. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes, if you create a place that is a fit for everyone, it's a bit faceless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And somehow they nailed it that the pavillon is a really beautiful space where you love to spend time. And also, yeah. I think it's the wood that gives you this chalet energy. Yeah. It's a really, it's a surprisingly cozy space. It yeah. has an excellent acoustic. It's very modern. Yeah. But you can come in dressed as you are. Yeah. Like we hosted super high-end gala dinners in there, mm -hmm. and we had museum nights where you saw me the first time because <laughs> I was busy looking at 1,300 people. Those two events were actually consecutive. There was okay. this super high-end event on the Thursday, mm -hmm. the Friday after. We had the smell of popcorn because I said if we do museums now. There needs to be popcorn. <laughs> and I, ca I remember I came in there and the whole house smelled of popcorn. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. and, and then we engaged a, a chemistry magician yeah. Yeah. who did this piff-puff show just yeah. to create these moments of wow for science. Yeah. Both events were absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's uh, the beauty of the space is that it, it actually works for many different types of events. Well, it sounds like it's... You know, the design of the pavilion is very intentional. That is not the only space you have for events. Mm. Before uh, before the 3rd of October, obviously, these spaces, the other spaces were primarily used for Novartis. Uh, now that the space is open, what other things should people be thinking about when they're considering Novartis campus as a space for doing events? Yeah, I'm actually really excited about that. I mean, obviously, we have to be 
really careful to open campus with the city and not to start any form of competition. I was asked in an interview if it isn't sad that we close at seven in the evening. I was like, hang on, we have so many absolutely fantastic, beautiful restaurants in Basel. Yeah. I think it's okay that people have their dinner elsewhere, but use campus as a beautiful um, space for recreation during yeah. daytimes. So similarly with events, but I do think there's huge potential because we have some of the really, really... Um, most beautiful um, auditorium yeah. that are, I th- I think, underused if it's just used by uh, yeah. Novartis Associates. Yeah. Um, maybe you know, but there is already 30 startups on campus. Wow. Um, so we have opened up to the business arm the, over the past two years. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Novartis mm-hmm. that's playing on, on campus. So mm-hmm. the rules haven't changed, but the players have, right? We're just embracing more and more um, to 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 share this space for knowledge, innovation and encounter. And, and I do think we're relatively strict, though, just to manage expectations with events in the Pavillon. We say this is the home for science, the living yeah. room for science. So we're only having scientific events in the Pavillon, external, internal, third parties, everything. Yeah. But we're we're rather open on, on campus to share those um, beautiful locations and facilities for bigger events. Yeah. Um, with the Basel Tourism Group, um, we were hosted in a fabulous auditorium. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> My favorite chair was all over the room. <laughs> I have the one Eames. of them. It's the old the Eames yeah. lobby chair, right? Did you see that it comes with a, a little table? Yes, yeah. that's unique to exactly. this room. Yeah. So I have one of these chairs at home, so I know how favorite it is because everybody always wants to sit in that chair. Now, this mm. auditorium is filled with these mm. chairs. Um, We'll, um, we'll happily, and, and, and if you check our Instagram channel, you might see, uh, let's say, some of the pictures shared by Basel Tourism of that event. Um, but um, you also have a Gary building, right? Mm-hmm. So the architecture is phenomenal. Um, these spaces are dedicated to events around science. I like the fact that you curate also what is relevant and how the spaces are being used. Um, Some people might not know because Basel is quite known abroad for Art Basel in Miami Mm -hmm. and in Hong Kong and now in Paris. And the brand Basel carries very far, but Basel is also a very small city, right? So one of the things I like about being in the city is that if you do an event here, you will run into the other participants very easily and very quickly because Basel has, what, 180,000 inhabitants, something of that nature. And see, this is where bringing the city and campus closer together is so important because 8,000 work on campus. Exactly. I mean, the it's a, ra- it's, it's a rather yeah. important industry. Yeah. Um, 30 football fields have mm-hmm. been added to the city of Basel as an open space now. Um, you also mentioned that the way that you do that is, is very deliberate. It's not a big bang announcement of the fact that the campus is now open. So this is a a well-kept secret that's very slowly kind of opening up into the market. You might be privy in this podcast to hear about it first. Um, what was the reason behind that? Behind opening so silently? Yes. Imagine you live in the neighborhood and you observe for 15 years that all of these marvels of architecture are built literally in front of your door. Mm-hmm. But you're not welcome there, right? 
So I, I think we designed the, com the, the campaign or the communications around it because you cannot not communicate. So we wanted to communicate that we're opening, but we decided to go silent but not mute, deliberately so, because mm -hmm. we felt it was the wrong signal to now you know, be so welcoming and say like, yeah, you can all come. It's like, how it's, credible it's, would that be? Right? Exactly. How credible yeah. would that be? And and again, it's a it's a non-event. This used to be a site where we did productions. It was dangerous, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we we couldn't allow. And even now, you say that we announced campus opening two years ago, and it took quite some work now to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Physical construction work because some of the parts are still behind bars not because yeah. we want that but because we have to yeah. right by 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 law yeah. it's just too dangerous mm -hmm. so so i think it's the right step it's the right signal but again it's a non-event it's open for good yeah. we don't need to party that we're open now we just we're open yeah. and we do see people and it's wonderful it's so beautiful to see the difference in behavior, simply how people walk across campus. Mm -hmm. and you see, are they tourists? Are they visitors? Or are they residents? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's, it's, just, it's just super cool. You were describing some of the events, unplanned events. You just called it a non-event that the mm -hmm. campus is opening. But you also were just describing, you know, that people are coming onto the campus of things you didn't expect as we were walking into the campus. Describe one or two of those situations that you've encountered over the last month. So my favorite, okay, my absolute favorite mo moment was we have two daycares on campus mm -hmm. and they're very cleverly constructed so that the Novartis working parent can pick up the kids from the Novartis site, okay. from campus site, yeah. but the non-Novartis working parent can pick them up from the outside. Okay. So they're literally at the border. Okay. But now the people working in the daycare have realized, well, if campus is open, it's open for us too. So I came there on the second day of campus opening and I run into a group of 15 toddlers <laughs> that really enjoyed the beauty of campus. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other day I saw a kid in in. 37 stripe colored stockings mm -hmm. on Rukrim's piece of art. And it was yeah. like, finally, I mean, the artist must have loved the idea that the stone is used for, yeah. for, for yeah. climbing, right? Yeah. And it's, I think, these are little moments of wow for all associates yeah. because they get this moment of distraction when they yeah. see kids on campus or yeah. you see, um, pensioners we see people that used to work here that come back to see how is it looking now it, it's I, I i find it very um very enriching yeah so um it's almost you know art is where it starts right i mean it, art was very much in uh, in the building the art of the architecture but also the art that's that's apparent now the art is being used it's much more public uh, the nostalgia of people that may have once worked here now seeing this kind of you know cocoon opening up to uh, to become this butterfly that they can actually visit um i for one i'm very inspired by this change in our conversation nelly uh thank you for sharing this with uh, our auditors on the design to change podcast a massive change for a large organization uh, no doubt not something that comes easily or or fast right it's something that takes time to do and you did it very deliberately and it's it's still in the midst of it because we are now on the uh, is it today the fourth no what what date are we today uh wednesday the 19th it's of october 19th. 2022 the other thing with audio and podcasts is we have no idea when people might listen to this 
Wonderful. This piece might survive for a, moment, a couple of decades, and actually people might look back and say, hold on, when was this again? And was it not always open? And, and I think this is what makes the, the sound capsule such a magic moment as well. I have two questions for you before we go backstage. The first one is, uh, change sometimes seems very slow, although you have a very de deliberate marker of change with the opening of the pavilion, with the opening of the campus on the 3rd of October. Um, may we call on you again one year from today uh, to have a second conversation to see what change has happened over the past year? Because sometimes day on day, change doesn't happen, doesn't feel like it's happening fast enough. Um, and you re we repeat our cycles day on day, and somehow sometimes they do feel repetitive. But when you look back a year from today, we might see the change uh, in a different daylight. Would you accept that invitation? I am game. Ruth, you can call me up and I'm there. Fantastic. I appreciate that. Let's do that. Um, the second question is, we have a number of questions on the horizons of change that are in the book. And I would like to send you the link to those questions to see if in staccato you would be able to answer those because we're harvesting those answers from those questions from the many different users of the Design to Change book. And that will give people a reference, kind of a library, okay. as, as you will, uh, which will allow them to look back at how do people respond to certain questions when it pertains to change because it gives them a, a guiding light as to how others would, um, would deal with that specific question. Um, that's some a little bit of homework as a result of the podcast. Do you accept that homework? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you mentioned it now. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, will. We also know that when you're recording, people hardly ever say no. So it's, yeah. so it's, so it's a powerful medium. Um, so basically, uh, <laughs> if you would not leave it to chance how a good conversation could go, you bring your recording gear. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes it perpetuates over time and then people can listen back to it. Um, well, Nelly, thank you so much for inviting us onto the campus. Uh, thank you for taking the opportunity of recording a podcast with us. I think this may very well be our 100th podcast that Ooh we've recorded since I'm last excited. since last year. I so this that. is a celebratory moment for uh, uh, for the Design to Change podcast. Um, Again, thank you, and we'll speak in a year again. We'll probably have conversations before that. Let's not have that be the motive to, ex to postpone that conversation, but thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.